0: Hello everyone. Uh we are miraculously here at MTAC Score after so many years. And on top of that, We get to talk to Caitlin Glass today. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're working on that you can talk about.
1: Uh, What can I talk about? (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to have a few things that I can't talk about. That's always a pleasure. Well, I am currently a full-time ADR director at Crunchyroll in Dallas. and um...
0: That still sounds weird to me.
1: (laughs) You'll get used to it. So we're doing that. I can't say what I'm working on just yet. The spring season is starting and uh, we're all working on new shows. Uh, so that's what I'm up to as a director anyway. Still airing is a show that I finished directing um, from the winter, Ranking of Kings. Oh, that show's so good. Isn't it great? It's so good. It is so one of a kind. I really hit the jackpot when, when it came my way. Um, so if you haven't been watching Ranking of Kings, highly recommend it. And the dub is almost complete coming out, so if you're a, a binge watcher, and it's easy to binge that show, you just want to know what happens next. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, let's see. That's what I worked on last season, and um, yeah, acting wise, what can I say that I'm in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing that I can mention <laughs> yet. <laughs> so.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Let's go ahead and and just kind of get into it. What made you take an interest in acting?
2: Oh. Or directing.
0: Or directing, yeah, sure.
1: Well, I've been acting since I was a kid. Um, Everybody kind of has to do it. You're forced to do it when you're young, right? Be in this or that church production or elementary school play. And uh, that's when I first started acting, and I really took to it. It wasn't until maybe the fifth grade where I had the opportunity to be in something, and it required me to take the step of auditioning. And it was just a school play, but still it was like various grade levels were going to be involved and you had to audition to participate. And, uh, I auditioned and, um, and I got the lead in Snow White as a little fifth grader. So that was, um, that's how I started. I suppose through middle school, I actually didn't really act uh, much except like again at church things, uh, because I was in band instead. So I focused on music for a few years And then in high school, I still did band and then I added choir and then I added drama. (laughs) And that's when I really got more into theater was in high school. And, um, I don't know, it came time for college and I decided, well, I should keep doing the thing that I like doing the most. And that's acting. And my family was like, okay, so, (laughs) so that's what I did. I went and got a degree in theater and I guess the rest is history because, uh, My college took me to Texas and that's where Funimation is based and that's how I ended up with an audition, just being in the right place at the right time. And now here we are, that was 2004 when I first started working for Funimation and now I still work for them, though they are now called Crunchyroll as an actor. And you asked directing, how did I get started directing? Uh, I directed some theater in college because that was part of our degree programs to also study directing um, so that's when I first kind of had to learn how to communicate with actors in that way. And when it came time for anime directing, I was just curious about it. I'd been voice acting for a little less than a year, maybe, and I really loved being at the studio. I loved the environment because anyone who's been through um, a creative degree program will tell you, you spend every waking moment with the same people for four years. Um, and not just like when you're in class with them, but when you're in theater, you also go to rehearsal every night and then you have the show on the weekend. So they really are your family. But when you graduate, you don't really see them anymore, unless they are truly your close friends. You know, they're the people who are still in school. They're busy. They've got class and rehearsal. So finding Funimation in my last semester of school was truly a godsend because it gave me a new community. I became friends with those voice actors very quickly started going to conventions very early on. Thanks to full metal alchemist, um, which is a really big show that I got within my first year of acting. So I was looking for a way to be even more a part of this thing that I loved. And I've loved anime since I was young. And, uh, I wondered if maybe directing could be that thing. And, uh, so, I kind of ended up having a conversation about it with Justin Cook, uh, who's a, like a, a producer, not like a, he is, he's a producer. <laughs> and I said, I'm interested. I, I wonder if I'd be any good at it. And he's like, Yeah, I think you'd be fine. Uh, you just got to come. And I had to train on my own. I wasn't paid for that, just my abundant free time. Because what I'm a college graduate with a liberal arts degree, plenty of time on my hands. <laughs> so, I would just come up and, um, You know, maybe I would have a a small acting session for an hour and then I would hang out the rest of the day observing different directors. I did that for a a couple months and then people started, you know, they need to take a day off or they are gone on a Friday because they're going to a con or they're sick. Well, dubs still got to get made. So that's how I started this filling in for people. And um, then I got my own contract of a handful of episodes of Case Closed. I did that for a bit and then I did some one piece episodes. And by 2007, I had my own show to work on. And that was Suzuka. And in 2008, um, was on high school host club. So yeah, it was only my, maybe only my second full show that was online. It was pretty
2: wild. That one was really was good. Wild yeah.
1: to think about. Yeah. i would worked on plenty of other things. Like working on one piece, i had done many one piece contracts and, um, also, you know, as I mentioned, case closed, and helping other people on other shows along the way. But Suzuka kind of was my first show, and I want to say Oran was only my second or third
0: show. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it just good, good on you. Just putting in that kind of effort and and being able to get those opportunities and making the most of them.
1: Thank you. It's it stuck around. Um. You know, I got married in 2009 and in 2010, we left the country. We went to go live abroad um, in Spain and we were gone for about a year and a half. So when we came back, it took some time to get back into directing and even acting. I think folks, folks were hesitant. They wondered if I was going to like leave the country again. <laughs> so it took a bit. I continued to teach English um, for a year or so when we came back until eventually the acting work picked up enough that I didn't have to rely on a second job. And by twenty late twenty fourteen, I was approached by Funimation to come on board full-time and be like a 40-hour week, like a salary directing position, which I took in 2015. And I've been doing that ever since. Well congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm a senior voice director. It's a trip. That's yeah. (laughs) At Crunchyroll. So
0: so you mentioned you know being a a fan of family is Kid, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask what kind of shows you like. Uh,
1: well, when I was younger, I was of course into Sailor Moon, huge into Sailor Moon when it was on Toonami in the afternoons when I was in high school. Um, so I was into that pretty much whatever was easy to get my hands on at the time. Which uh, thankfully I lived by a blockbuster that had tons of anime because every blockbuster would be different because there are franchises. So I watched whatever they had, which was, you know, all of the really popular things, like all of Evangelion, which I adored. And then sometimes really obscure stuff. I can't even remember what it is. Anything that like ADV was putting out because they were the most prolific at the yes. time in the early 2000s. Yes. I was watching all of that stuff. Uh, and then of course, whatever was on television, which was Funimation shows. So all the Dragon Ball things. And also the, um, I did see Fruits Basket, which was on TV, but I saw that, um, other cool stuff coming out of L.A. Of course, Cowboy Bebop. Of course, Cowboy Bebop. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and Poodie Poodie and like The Big O and Outlaw Star and, you know, all of that cool late 90s, early 2000s stuff.
0: I, like, I, I am loving everything around. I'm hearing yeah. right now, All of
1: it. Yeah. I think my favorite back then, my favorite show, and it's still a favorite today, uh, is Katya Kano, His and Her Circumstances. Yes. yes. Yeah. Adore it. Adore it. That was one that I would like, save my pocket change because I didn't have a lot of money and I wanted to, I would like, I have to own this show. So I had like a box of Mm -hmm. change (laughs) 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 periodically would count it all out to be like, do I have enough to go get the next DVD? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So that is a, a prized possession of mine
0: <laughs> was that something that you got into because of evangelion or was that just its own thing oh, that you
1: because of gynax i don't i was only just starting to learn about things like yeah. studios yeah my best friend's brother introduced it to me while i was home for some holiday and i feel like he mentioned that it's by the same people who made evangelion and that's kind of why he was so amazed but then it was just so funny it was so funny it was. i'm like i have to see more of this and then I've have since, of course, read the entire manga, own it. Um, still a favorite. A, what a what a wonderful show.
0: I again love everything I'm hearing right yeah. now. It's just like okay, yeah, I, I yep, check 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 <laughs> so check. So things
1: like I like super comedic shows like that, um, but slice of life is really my favorite. It's my favorite genre to be in. My favorite genre to direct. I don't know. I guess I just connect to getting my actors to be really really real and i love how slice of life anime is such, it's so wonderful in the animation how just how real the art style can be and Mm -hmm. how seeing something animated can make a real thing even more real to you. I can't think of a better word than real. So (laughs) sorry, I'm saying real a million times. I love that that is what the animation makes me think and feel and the opportunity to get the actors to be that vulnerable and play that realistically uh, is a treat as well. Um, Probably my favorite anime and favorite show in that genre is Honey and Clover. That one. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's beautiful. Just um and because it's about kids in, in art school and dealing with life and love and being artists and I'm like, oh I get it. I get it. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. Especially I know for me it came around that same time where I was just experiencing that same sort of thing and so seeing it like in, you know, a cartoon. Yes. Really those, was yeah, those something. growing
1: pains of, okay, now I'm done with college, now what? And as an artist, what kind of artist do I really want to be? What does my talent really have to offer the world? Um, do I have what it takes to cut it? And even though it's not about actors in that show, it's about a variety of artists in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. oh man. Big questions. Lots of stuff to struggle with. So I, I try and go back and rewatch that show every few years.
0: Right. I, we we have gone on a lovely tangent here. <laughs> uh, what were you gonna say, Basil? Okay, well, Sorry. Well,
2: well, first off, I know this is an audio medium, but I love the water bottle. Thank you. It's got so many good things on it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And,
1: There's lots of BTS on here. Yeah, well, I mean,
2: <laughs> but you've also got Guy Fieri on there.
1: Yes, yes. the mayor of Flavortown.
2: And so my, my question would be, yeah. um, if you could cast Guy Fieri for any role that you directed for, who would you make Guy Fieri play?
1: You know, there's a character who looks just like him in the swimming anime, Free.
2: Oh, God, there is. The
1: coach looks just like him. And he has the right kind of energy. So I think that he would be a good fit for that. And also, I mean, Chris Sabat does an excellent job at that role. But he has plenty of other roles. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that even Chris would mind stepping aside and letting Guy come Mm -hmm. on in. So there's still some Free that we haven't dubbed yet. So maybe we could give him a call. See if he'd be interested. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I was going to make a joke about Dragon Ball because, you know, the hair but, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> or, you know, maybe maybe Food Wars. Maybe we can get them on some Food Wars. See, I, I thought that was a little too tight. The, a a little, little too, too on, on the head. nose. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Who would you say has had the biggest impact on your career?
1: Biggest impact, that's a cool word. That's a good choice because it doesn't mean in- influence or inspiration for, but someone who has truly impacted my journey. Hmm, probably, I shouldn't get. I'm gonna get emotional. <laughs> probably Mike McFarland. Mike is a very dear friend and colleague, fellow senior voice director <laughs> at Crunchyroll, but um, he was. Of all of the directors that trained me back when I was, you know, getting not paid to be there, I remember, of course, his instruction, uh, the most, he was very thorough and he didn't, not that anyone would, you know, look down on a person for being here or for being a woman wanting to do this thing or any of that, but I always just felt welcomed and encouraged by him. And then he was my producer for a long time The The company is to be um, structured in a different way. And all of the directors were um, contract and also producers in some degree were as well. So it's like you're a producer and you're managing a handful of shows and you can direct a show or you can just what's called line produce another. And you're looking for continuity issues and pronunciation, making sure everything's correct and guiding whoever you hire to be the director. So for a long time, Mike was um, the line producer working above me. And he was just always, always so encouraging and um, educating me and things as well as being my friend. And um, so, of course, he directed me as Winry and Full Metal Alchemist and just gave me, taught me so much and was always patient with me, uh, giving me room to do all of the very vulnerable things that Winry went through and experienced Um, and I think that was you know some of the first times when I realized just how uh, keyed in and we can be as actors in in uh, doing dubs and um, really give very organic performances because he gave he made a safe space for that and taught me that that's what I wanted to be able to do with other actors um, you know and uh, going forward with Oron. Uh, he knew that I really wanted to work on the show. Uh, I knew about it because a friend had told me about it. And of course, I, I will admit this on camera uh, that I had watched it all illegally <laughs> <laughs> because a friend provided it to me. And I'm like, I want to work on the show so badly. And anytime I would be at the studio, I would like go up to marketing and acquisitions and ask if we were getting it, if anybody had it yet or what was happening. So everybody knew that this is a thing that I wanted to work on. And then we did acquire it. But then the question is, which producer is it going to be handed to? And if they get it, there is still no guarantee that I would get to work on it. Well, thank God uh, they gave it to Mike. And of course, Mike gave it to me, but it was still... Um, we didn't know exactly when we were going to begin production and as unfortunate luck would have it, I was in China, uh, when production was set to start, I was there for about three weeks working on a video game and uh, which was a really great experience. So it was not unfortunate to be in mm-hmm. China. I loved it, but, um, we needed to get started and Mike couldn't easily communicate with me because of the time difference. So he told the higher ups that like, don't you dare give this to anyone else just for the sake of getting started. Caitlin will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so he, without my permission said that I would work like 12 hour days, 14 hour days, 16 hour days, whatever it took as soon as I got back to get us caught up to make sure that I was the only one working on that show. Like he didn't even want to start it and pass it off to me. He's like, it's hers. You have to let her have it. And uh, and they did that, thank God. So you, if that weren't enough, that was already enough of a gift. As the audition process um, proceeded, I was struggling with the character of Haruki because when you're preparing for a show, you're, you have to learn everything about it. And as anyone is supposed to do who watches Oran, you fall in love with this character. You're meant to really root for Haruki, it's her story. And I was so connected to her. I'm like, I think that I really want to play this part. But I know what that looks like. Being a director, casting yourself in the lead role. Um, But Mike really believed in me. He did make it harder for me. He's like, you have to record the entire first episode. I have to hear you do the whole thing and prove to me that you can do this voice, bring this character to life and fit in. With the whole ensemble whereas everyone else just has to say seven lines you know <laughs> in an audition i have to do the whole thing um but he believed in me and he came to the first you know hour or so my first session for that episode to help me kind of confirm this is where we want the voice to sit and gave me some tips and pointers and then he bounced up out of there and the rest was on me and after he heard it he said he liked it he was proud of it and he just wanted to be able to speak up for me, should anyone, you know, around the water cooler try mm-hmm. and you know, talk trash or about Caitlin just cast herself in her own mm-hmm. shows or whatever. Um, so yeah, he he's so important. and what was the word you used impactful? Yeah, impactful. So of course, I had to cast him as my father in that show. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he's still wonderful. I still go to him and ask questions. Um, even though we're technically like on the same level or whatever, we have the same title, but he just has so much expertise and a really uh, particular ear uh, for things. Uh, I'm still amazed when I'm directed by him about how picky is not is a nasty word, but I just can't think of a better one <laughs> that he might be about how to inflect something or how much to move something by, you know, a quarter of a frame one direction or the other. You know.
2: But well, that's the kind of like detail that you want.
1: Yes. Yeah, you know,
2: I'm sure both being directing but also directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to make things give a trigger shine. Yes. yeah.
0: And and I think it's just spectacular that you had that kind of support.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> um
2: speaking of challenges, going back to Ranking of Kings, which again, if y'all have not yeah. so please do. It is well, it's it feels like a very like European fairy tale it has yeah. such a unique spin to it. It has
1: a nice kind of Ghibli vibe. Yeah. Um, the character design is so different.
2: But the main character is also really interesting in his own very particular
1: yes. set of circumstances
2: that had to be a real challenge to figure out how to yeah, direct.
1: Su- surprisingly not. So it isn't a spoiler because anybody who just reads about the show would know that the main character Boji is deaf and also does not speak. Uh, He doesn't verbalize with words, we should say. Mm -hmm. He can make sounds, but he doesn't speak words. Um, We knew that if at all possible, I say we, meaning like me, my team, I guess, my assistant, everybody, that I wanted to cast someone who had some type of challenge like that in, in their life. Um, whether it was related to hearing or speech or perhaps just some other physical disability. So they knew just so they could represent that community. Mm -hmm. I don't want to belittle any other actor who doesn't have any of those circumstances and assume that they couldn't empathize or they couldn't portray. They absolutely could. It's your job as an actor to learn how to do that. And if you don't have that set of circumstances, you find something in your own life that parallels that and you channel it into what you're supposed to do but for the sake of properly representing that community who i've never really seen well i shouldn't say never there's a silent voice Mm um it is a really excellent example of um, the deaf community in anime but so okay rarely represented in animation at all and then certainly in anime so i kept that in mind but it's a sensitive topic you don't want to like put that in the audition sides. Like, please don't read for this character unless you are I'm like, Oh no, 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 we can't do that. So it was more like, um, we encouraged everyone to listen to the Japanese, like watch the. I think the first episode was out by the mm-hmm. time we had auditions and watch the trailers. Um, and we used full scenes so they could see like, here's what these adapted lines go with. You can understand the types of sounds that Boji makes, and we figured the safest thing to do would be emulate the choice that the Japanese made. So try to do essentially what Boji does in, in the Japanese. And um, we had a, great people read for it. And then Emily Fardo just nailed it. She just nailed it. She's so fantastic. And um, you could reach out to her and, and speak to her about what her own uh, difficulties have been in her life. But she has just a beautiful that story to tell. Um, and She was wonderful. She was so great. What a great, cool show.
2: <laughs> it's, it's really good. Sorry. You mentioned that one. Oh, oh, yes. It's so special.
0: So what is the biggest challenge for you as an actor?
2: Oh, man.
1: Hmm. Staying, staying positive when you don't really see work coming your way. Right. I'm thankful, so grateful that I have full-time job so thankful to safe animation even though they were Crunchyroll now that taking care of all of us during the entire pandemic we were so well cared for um it was wonderful we weren't worried that we were going to be fired it was more community not fired let go i guess community effort of how can we get back to dubbing as soon as possible to bring joy to people during this time and to see everyone really rise to the occasion and come up with all of these crazy ways to record, and the way they wanted to include the actors so much that they provided equipment for them if they didn't have it is just unheard of. Um, so, applause to them. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, I was a little bit of a rabbit trail. It's nice that I don't have to worry financially because I have a full time job, but creatively, I want to perform and I want to act and I audition a lot and don't get cast most of the time, most, most, most of the time. So staying positive through all that is the hardest thing. And, um, it doesn't, I mean, maybe it gets easier the longer you're in this business, but it just kind of goes in waves. There'll be times when you're getting cast in everything and then times when you're getting cast in nothing (laughs) and you wonder, Am I bad? Have I just like saturated? My voice is everyone's hearing it too much, so now it's not or has my changing because I'm aging? Am I just not getting it right anymore? Is am I not what people want anymore? So struggling with uh with those thoughts is probably probably the hardest part.
0: What are some of the ways that you do to <laughs> stay positive?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh well thankfully there are things like conventions and to see the impact that work I have done has on people makes, uh, all the difference. Now it makes me want to keep trying for whatever the next thing's going to be. They say like, you don't book 100% of the jobs that you don't audition for. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, So like all you can do is keep trying. And when you're trying to break into a new market, um, you know they don't know you yet, so just because you haven't been cast doesn't mean that they didn't hear your audition or didn't like it. Maybe they did. You just didn't work out for that moment at that time. So I just have to you know keep trusting that my moments will come.
0: <laughs> what are some of the things that you like to do outside of acting?
1: More acting. <laughs> <laughs> no, um,
0: there is nothing else.
1: Well, there's acting. There's like directing and voice acting, which are kind of lumped together as you know right anime industry right or video game industry stuff so, that so just kind of outside of that yeah i still do theater um particularly shakespeare and i really love that a lot kind of found a little home with a couple of theater communities in dallas where we do uh barely rehearsed shakespeare which maybe sounds awful but it's actually not because it's it's theater professionals um mm-hmm. folks who've done a lot of work and it's just kind of on them to learn their lines do their text work we rehearse two or three times. Maybe everybody's there, like, one of those times. And then we put on a show in a bar or, like, a backyard of a restaurant. And uh, it's really great. I've been doing that since 2015. I was um, I did my first show of that nature. We do two or three of them a year.
2: And you take your plays, that is just extra fun to... To put
1: on or all oh, are man i've been in the tempest twice now and then i've also done some like full length uh, well I, they're all full length but i mean full length rehearsal process right. uh the run of the show so the barely produced shakespeare stuff we just perform once or twice um and i really loved i got to play i also get to play things that you wouldn't normally do in a full-blown stage production It's like gender bent, age bent, nobody cares. Uh, Anybody can really be anyone, which I think is wonderful. So as a, how old am I now? Uh, 40. So in 2017, you know, I was just what, 30, what's math? (laughs) 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 33? 2017 was just five years ago, 35 years old. Mm -hmm. I was playing Prospero in The Tempest and I didn't think that I was right for it. But again, everybody was like, no, we want you to do it. And it's probably one of my favorite things I've ever played. Um, so, yeah, I just like Shakespeare. I like to say the words. Even any any role is fine. I just love the fact that these plays are so old and they're still relevant. And I still get to say these words that Shakespeare wrote so, so, so many years ago. That's really cool to me.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so old. The Tempest <laughs> yeah. my favorite.
2: Other. Oh, you Let's love do. The Tempest? I love The Tempest, yeah.
0: That is, <laughs> I love that the answer was, in fact, more acting. More <laughs> acting. yeah. It, it, it wasn't just a, a throwaway joke. No, it's more It's actually more acting.
1: Exactly more
0: acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Caitlin, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you so much. But before we let you go, um, if people want to follow along with what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Sure. So you can find me on social media. I am at Caitlin's Voice typically the best place the place that i like interacting most with folks is on instagram so come find me there i am also on twitter but that's just going to be more informational like hey here's the con i'm at hey here's a show i'm in um but if you're into like daily posts and pictures of my dogs and things like that instagram is the place to be so at caitlin's voice
0: well this has been wonderful thank you so much
1: you're so welcome you guys thank you
2: thanks for listening to yet another production ...of The Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. You can find us online at awesomecast.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T dot or, you know, wherever you find your podcast, to search for Awesome Cast. You can also find us on the social medias, Awesome Cast at Twitter or on Facebook. Of course, you can also find our wonderful interview guru, the greatest living interviewer, John Robbins, at J5IsLive. Or perhaps you'd like to follow our amazing editor, Anna... At Angel Darkfire, or just me, at It's Basil Time on Twitter. Our theme song is produced by DJ Inabito, and you can find him online at djinabito.com. And once again, thanks for listening to the Awesome Cast. We appreciate you.